0: For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, Different. That's the alchemy of pain. And welcome to another edition of the Alchemy of Pain. In this podcast, we talk about painful situations that have changed people forever. When they've gone through them, sometimes they wonder, "Will I ever make it through?" And yet they did. And in some ways they are better people for going through these things they would have never chosen for themselves of whom I am chief and you all know my story but I have the honor of speaking to amazing individuals who have found purpose through pain and when I saw the title of this next guest's book it's sort of stopped me in my tracks. I want to welcome Lauren Hava Rose. She is a clinical social worker and a writer and psychotherapist. And before we go any further, can you please share the name of your book that stopped me in my tracks?
1: Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Brenda. It's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, So I am the author of a memoir that is called The Heart Word, How I Lost It All and Found Myself
0: the heart word, how I lost it all and found myself, which obviously is a story in itself. Well, first of all, what did you lose?
1: A lot. <laughs> um, I mean, really, honestly, everything from my entire family to my home, to most of my belongings. And, and I think like, A lot more than that. I think those are kind of the physical things that I started with in this book. And it kind of opens with me walking away from my entire family. And that just set off a string of, you know, what I refer to as tower moments that just continued to unravel more things that apparently were out of alignment in my life. And I just kind of kept surrendering and surrendering surrendering and surrendering, wondering when I was done losing things and I was going to start finding myself or finding something. Um, But I really felt called to write this book now because the truth is we're living in a time where a lot of people can relate to that.
0: And the bravery that it took for you to walk away too. At that time, were you a clinical social worker did you have your so you had tools at your disposal and was there a aha moment where it was like I need to go
1: yes uh and I don't want to give it away because it's definitely in the book but I think that you know I think for a long time I knew that I didn't really fit in my family in various ways becoming a social worker absolutely gave me the the tools and the language to understand a little bit more about why and kind of what was going on. Um, and I also credit my own therapy for helping me realize that it was time to leave. And so, you know, I'm certainly both a client and a therapist, and I've been a clinical therapist since 2009 post-grad. So... It's really an honor for me to help people walk through, you know, their own kind of heart word journeys. And it was time for me to share that I've got one too.
0: This book I already know is in queue. It is a must read for me because what I've been unraveling unraveling personally is how important it is to deal with childhood trauma or else it will eventually come and off you. (laughs) It will be the end of you if you don't deal with it. And yet dealing with it is some of the hardest stuff in the world. So I thank you for the work that you are doing. Why was it called the heart word? Is, Is it because so many of us, our hearts have been wounded or we're, We're so busy dealing with the external stuff. We never get to the heart or is it a combination?
1: Well, so the heart word is my way of saying courage. So right after I kind of went through the main plot in the book, I tattooed the heart word in my own handwriting on my wrist and It felt like what I wanted to remind myself of was my own courage. And this story that I'm telling in the book feels like the personification of courage to walk away from everything I knew, to step back and say, you know what? I think that none of this is really me. And this isn't how I want to be living in the world. And I'm just going to do everything I can to change that. I really say that that came from a deeper place of knowing because my brain certainly didn't want me to do all of that. But my heart was yearning for a different life. And there was only one way to get that.
0: Oh, this is so good because you have the brain and then you have the heart. And I love when they are in alignment. Oh, happy day. But a lot of time, the brain is trying to be logical. You've invested your whole life. You can't give up now. And what you've assigned yourself to is a lifetime of being unhappy, just because I've invested all the time. How do people vote with their heart instead of their brain?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. I think, you know... I think people have to be willing to hear what the heart wants to say and to be ready that it's probably going to be wildly inconvenient. And I think we start to shut that down, right? I mean, we all can listen to our hearts, but it's actually the staying power of continuing to hear it once it has basically told you something the rest of you doesn't want to do. And that's where the courage lives, is like, can you not just listen, but can you stay? And can you really hear that the heart is asking for more? The heart is asking for less. The heart is asking for change.
0: This is so important. And there's so many people out there right now that are at this precipice and The comfortable path, the convenient path. Well, it's comfortable and it's convenient. What is the relationship to choosing the inconvenient and uncomfortable and your own sense of self-worth?
1: I love that question. I think it's, it's totally intertwined. You know, I think a lot of, and this is, you know, some psychology speak coming in, but I think, you know, the ego wants us to stay in the status quo. The ego will always fight to remain wherever you have chosen to be, you know, in your family, in your relationships, in your job, in your home, in your city, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. And the heart doesn't care about any of those things. (laughs) Doesn't care how long you've been somewhere. Doesn't care, you know, like how badly you can fight for whatever you've built. If it's inconvenient, if it's not working, if it is breaking your soul, if it's breaking your heart, there will always be a part of us that is trying to get our attention And sometimes that happens in really quiet ways. And sometimes that happens in much louder ways. Like when I woke up on Mother's Day of 2018 and said, I'm estranging myself today, which seemed like the worst possible day to do all of those things. And I had actually been ready for months, but I had been kind of waiting for the right time and there was never going to be. A right time to basically just go hard right and change everything. And that particular day, I just woke up and I said, I'm done. It has to be now. It's got to be today. And that's where my book starts.
0: Ooh. All right. I want to go back to what you said about ego, because I think a lot of people have a faulty idea of what ego is. In fact, Some might say ego is voting with yourself because you're more important than other people. And no, 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 no. In fact, ego is the thing that wants you to stay stuck. It's the actual opposite of self-worth in a sense. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about ego a little bit more and how it lies to us?
1: Well, so I think, you know, as a therapist, I'm always going to fight for all parts of us having a purpose. And I think that the purpose of the ego is an understandable one. You know, it's here to protect us. It's here to create a self-image. It's here to largely fit within the confines of society in one way or another. And we kind of need that or else everything would really fall apart, the problem is, if that's all we're leading from, we lose ourselves. We and and that feels ironic, because those parts of us feel like they want us to understand ourselves the most, they think they have the most to say. But it's really not coming from us. It's certainly not coming from a soul led place in the way that the heart speaks. So I think that You know, there's a lot of people potentially living more from an ego space. It's been safer to do that. It's comfortable. And that's important, right? It's not always the right moment to shake up everything. But I think that if we're not willing to ask ourselves, have I stayed too long? Are there parts of me that I'm not listening to? It's also not really a fulfilling life.
0: And ultimately, I mean, why the heck else are we here? You know, are we here for the purpose of how many things we can collect? No. Or what kind of an image we can prop up. But I thank you for making the distinction that the ego isn't a villain. The ego serves a purpose. It's not all, well, if I'm voting with my heart, then the ego has no place. So there is this balance when you say you found yourself who did you find lauren
1: i just feel like i got chills even hearing that um well a lot of the things that i had thought made up my personality and it turns out didn't (laughs) I think that they were social constructions from the way other people viewed me for one reason or another. But I think, you know, one of the biggest ways that I found myself was that I went through in the book and in my life, obviously, a ceremony of rebirth, which is called a mikvah. I'm Jewish. And that is within the culture of sort of like a a ritual that we do to sort of like dunk ourselves in water and come out uh, like uh, sort of come through the canal again um Mm -hmm. and that's where I chose the name Hava for myself which means the revealer of truth and I think growing up this was something I was vilified for I tend to be a really bold person. I'm an Aries sun and Aries moon. I can't stop but say how things are. I'm always I've always been that way. Um and that was not super convenient where I came from. Um and I think that I I didn't always like that part of myself either. So I think when I kind of shed all these things in the process of the book and the story that the book tells, I ended up realizing that maybe I was always really Hava. And I was always supposed to be the revealer of truth. And that's my superpower, not just something that, you know, other people didn't like.
0: This is an important point. Your superpower is often the very thing that is a source of division and problems. You're the problem. You're the problem because of your superpower. And so you can identify it as a problem rather than as the gift that it really is. And that's a big shift, identifying it as a gift rather than a problem. I think there's a lot of problem children out there who could find a lot of peace with making peace with that statement alone. Yeah, like what if
1: the way you've been challenged the most is actually your superpower and this whole time you're here to hone that?
0: So it's a journey to discovering these things. What are the tools that have served you along the way? Because I'm sure that when you got to that final emancipation day, the estrangement day, the decision day, there were a lot of dark nights of the soul that led up to it. How did you get through the dark nights of the soul?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, there's one big dark night of the soul that I write about in the book that actually comes kind of after the estrangement where I'm holding on to maybe some of the residue that my soul is asking me to let go of and I think too but like to answer your question before sort of what led to getting getting out the door really um I didn't do that alone and I think that's a really important point here There's many different elements of my story that I had to walk by myself, but wow, did I have helpers. I had helpers from this realm and from other realms. I had incredible friends along the way that were really supportive and really there for me. And Ultimately, I left my family and went into you know, the net of all of these people waiting for me on the other side. And I think that's really critical because we need to make sure that we're going to be held on the other side of jumping off of a cliff. And and that even if our heart is telling us to jump, right? Like, and this is where I think the ego mind can also be helpful. We need practical supports. And so, you know, I've been really lucky to, to work with incredible therapists. I've worked with some shamans that I talk about in the book who definitely helped me get where I am. And I have friends that feel like sisters and have just taken me in. And so I really do feel like this is a story of all of us
0: helping me get where I got. I think it's so crucial the point you made though that when you emancipated, when you estranged, when you finally got out, it wasn't like it was over. There was residual, and so many people in my own life say, "Gee, Brenda, you are brave. You did this and you did that." And what you don't see are the nights that I lie in bed and cry because. I'm still making peace with the decisions I've made in my life. And so it's not necessarily a clean break. I'm glad I made the break. But dealing with those residual feelings is a real part of it. And not assigning them as good or bad. They just are. And it's
1: okay to feel all of those feelings as many times as we need to. You know, I think I, you know, I wrote this book and a lot of people ask me, you know, what does it feel like now? And I'm sort of like, well, I wrote about some of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. And so of course that's still work I'm doing. It will, it's work that I will always be doing. And that's not a problem. You know, that's what it means to be alive. But I do think to your point of just, you know, the alchemy of pain is that it's never exactly the same. You can relive the feeling, but it gets alchemized a little bit more each time, which is why I love the name of this podcast. I feel like it's exactly
0: what I believe happens too. Wow. Thank you for saying that. And I think you've explained it better than I have (laughs) in this entire series. You know, it started simply because my life fell apart. And I would have never chosen the way it did, Lauren, but I know I'm different as a result. And I know that the things that changed in me were necessary for me to fulfill my purpose in life. And I learned from every guest and I'm so honored that you're here today. And if you are talking to someone that's listening or watching and they need to go, they it's been whispering in their soul for so long. You've talked about the need to have a net, have have people to hold you on the other side of it. What else would you advise someone wrestling with this very important decision?
1: I think, you know, take your time. This is a big, big shift. And the thing is, right, if it's a shift that needs to happen, you're going to keep receiving the message and to just trust that, right? Like I really, you know, there were a lot of times where I thought, I wish I would have done this all sooner, you know? And I think there's no way that could have happened. And so if someone is maybe, I would say at the beginning or the halfway point of change, you know, changing something really significant to really let that get digested, you know, and to know that it's okay to continue the conversation between your ego mind and your heart and to just leave that door open because the heart will keep telling you not yet, not yet now, you know.
0: That is so helpful. If it is a message that is necessary, it will keep coming. It will keep tugging at your heart until you have the 100% yes, now is the time. Aside from being the truth teller that you are, what else has emerged in your life as a result of this shift? else are you today aside from the truth teller well
1: i mean i didn't know that i was really a writer in the way that i think i've discovered i am um and that i think i've always felt like my words carried power and i think that was always how i was received both in positive and challenging ways but i think i think that hava Is a writer and always was and I think being able to write this book and see the way that my story came together and just take the time to listen to that soul calling right because I think there's sort of the calling that started the whole journey I was on and then to your point the continued tapping on my shoulder of it's time to write the book you've got to write the book And I kind of whack a mold that away a lot of times. And it just kept coming back until I finally surrendered to that. And so I think, you know, I'm so grateful that so many people are are responding so well to the book and to my my words. And that's what this is all for. But I think I, I discovered that this is something that I really love to do. And it's one
0: of the gifts I didn't know I had. And the way your face lights up when you talk about it, too, that is so special. Like, that is you living your purpose. How can people find and follow you? I want to make sure I get that question in because everybody's going to want to find your book, follow you, and learn more from you because you've only just begun to write and to share and to lift up a banner for other people. So we want to get in on it. How do we do that?
1: Well, I welcome anyone getting in touch with me. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at Lauren Hava Rose, just my whole name. Um, And that's my author, my public author, Instagram. You can also go to my website, which is laurenhavarose.com, and sign up for my newsletter, where you'll get special poetry and prose once a month from me, plus updates about the book and any podcasts that I'm going to be on, like, this will certainly be linked in the next one. Um, And uh, what else? My book, because yeah, of course, (laughs) the book is on Amazon. um, And it's the title again is the heart word, how I lost it all and found myself. And it's available in both ebook and paperback right now.
0: Before our time runs out, and I appreciate the generosity of your time, you also talked about having help, professional therapists and shamans. A shaman changed my life because when I left my toxic situation, I realized, oh no, I brought myself with me and I needed to make peace with me and what was going on inside of me and what got me into a toxic situation again, and again, and again, one, I didn't choose. You didn't necessarily choose your family, but so what are some tips for people to find the helpers, Mm -hmm. whether it's a therapist, a shaman, because not every therapist is the right fit for you.
1: Yes. That's a really good point. And I do think something that I really wanted to do with this book also was write a memoir as a therapist, bridging all kinds of healing work together. So readers are going to see me go through my own therapy. They're also going to see me meet with multiple shamans and go through a soul retrieval among other things. And all of those things got me here. And so I think that for people that are open to any kind of healing work, because I think we all need all of it. And, you know, like finding the right therapist, certainly I know can be a process. I really think that word of mouth is a great place to start. Who do people know that are working with healers of any kind that they're really benefiting from? Um, I love it when my clients send me their friends and people that they know, because, the, because that's always the best kind of referral too for a healer is, well, this person's aware of how I work. And so, you know, I also think it's good for people to share with people in their world, I'm struggling. Who do you know? Because that also opens up the dialogue for everyone to be there for one another in a little bit of a deeper way. So, But in terms of sites that I like, particularly for finding a therapist, uh, inclusive therapists is really great. Uh, That's where I have my profile. And especially for folks that are looking for therapists that are decolonizing therapy for people that are working with marginalized identities, that's really a great website. Um, And so, I would start in those places, kind of the smaller scale sites, and also ask, just ask. I bet people have worked with healers that you know. And and if anyone has anything good to say, that's the best
0: place to start. Such great advice. I appreciate that so much. Asking, being vulnerable enough to say I'm struggling, you know this is going to run at the new year and 2024 offers a clean slate of opportunities it's never too late to live the life you've always wanted to live we're living proof of this aren't we i wish you so much success with this book and with your work which is such important work and for those who are listening and watching i think it was rumi that said when the student is ready, the teacher appears, and when you are ready, you will find your, your answers. Don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for the answers. And it may come in unexpected ways, in through unexpected people, but be open because your answer will come, you're ready for it. Lauren, any final words for our audience as we close?
1: I just want to thank all of you for being here with us today and listening, and I really hope that this conversation has touched into the deeper part of you that knows you were meant for more, because that's really what we're trying to speak to and what we're trying to invoke. So I think the best advice I have is after you're done listening, take a pause and just maybe put a hand on the heart and see if there's anything that wants to come forward from hearing us talk so much about this.
0: A beautiful way to close. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning into this edition of the alchemy of pain. As I always say at the end, keep pressing against the chrysalis. You are creating strength in your wings so you can fly. Have a good day.